Blog Talk Radio. You like your food hot, dear. I like my food mild. You are calm, collected. I'm a little wild. You're herb and I'm the Did you know? Mary. 
Welcome to Spirit Alive Network, Pellet Tuesdays, with your host, Lester Powers. Today, we're going to be discussing the best in you. And we're going to be discussing in the context of marriage, because our adversary, the devil, seeks to gain an advantage over each and every one of us. But in order to do that, he has to find the best way and destroy our peace in this earth. To remove from us all of the good things by replacing our hope, our belief, our faith, our confidence in God with doubt, worry, and fear. And how he is able to do this it is by convincing us that we must protect ourselves and that God is not protecting us, to convince us that what is available in our world that we can see with our eyes and hear and taste and touch and smell is more valuable than what God says his son Jesus Christ is preparing for us in heaven. And this requires us to believe and study God's word so that we can see what God says is valuable, what God says is beneficial, what God says is best. And then we can go about the business of doing God's work in the earth by loving one another, by restoring one another by comforting one another, by drawing others who do not yet know our Lord Jesus Christ, and because they do not yet know our Lord Jesus Christ, they do not know God yet, we can introduce them to our Lord and Savior so that he can introduce them to his heavenly Father. Our job is to practice love, to master love, to become students, in love, because only love, perfected love, casts out fear. And the reason we need to actively practice casting out fear in our life by walking in love is because fear brings torment. Torment, death, disease, sickness, stress, illness, all of that comes from fear and not operating, not walking in love. So let's get started. I want to discuss today bringing out the best in us by acknowledging the value of the marriage relationship, of the marriage covenant, of the ultimate symbol in the earth of how God brings two separate beings together and makes one being makes one mind, makes one union. And from that union that starts in love, produces, reproduces the essence of both of those beings in children. We have to understand that that is one of the closest things that occurs in our life to being godlike. <laughs> and that we participate actively 
in increasing the kingdom, in demonstrating God's grand design, God's plan of reproducing out of our love, out of our essence of who we are, something other than what we are that extends and comes from within, but was always there by design because we know that God is the one who gives life. God is the one who takes life. Only God knows when your first breath will occur and when your last breath breath will occur as well. That is entirely in his hands. So I want to see what the scripture has to say to us today about his love for us, his plan for us, and then our participation in that plan so that we can best position ourselves to share in the best of what God has for us so that we can then bring forth the best out of us for his glory, for his purpose. We know that God says that salvation is not just to us, but it's to our children and all who are far off, our our family, and all those we come in contact with. Well, do you know that when a, a husband and a wife love one another and take their marriage vows before God and pledge their love to one another to death through the part that they are agreeing with God that your his design is good. They're agreeing with God that they submit to God making them holy in this union that they commit to for the duration of their natural lives. That is really what you're saying when you get married and you say, I do. You are saying, I commit to God that I am going to make myself available to this other person in the good, the great, the bad, and the ugly, and I trust God that he is going to use and honor this commitment that I'm making to him and to this other person for his glory, for his benefit. And what what occurs in this level of commitment is something that extends into eternity when we are operating out of love. See, Some of the most valuable things in life are some of the most difficult things to acquire. In the natural realm, if a person thinks about what must occur for people to discover oil, a very valuable commodity, you must dig deep into the earth and search it out. Same thing with Veins of silver, they must be searched out. You must dig. Same thing with gold. Same thing with diamonds. You must search it out. You must dig. And in our lives, in our human relationships, in our marriage relationships, 
in order to find that person who compliments us the best, that person that God has ordained for us to spend the rest of our life with, a man must seek out a woman who best compliments him, and a woman must prepare herself to be found by a man who best compliments her. And we're going to see some interesting things here in the scripture that is going to affirm all that God has designed regarding this covenant relationship of marriage. I want to start in 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, where it says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby we are given, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. And, and that is what God is positioning us to do is to escape the corruption that is in the world through us by making us partakers of his divine nature. When he placed his Holy Spirit within us, when we became saved and accepted our Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we became partakers of his divine nature, having Holy Spirit within us. What do you need to do in order to have Holy Spirit within you? You need to be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to repent, which is to turn away from serving sin. You need to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. You need to believe in your heart that God raised his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And you need to believe to speak in tongues and prophesy. And this brings you into another dimension of the supernatural, whereby we share in the divine nature of God. We communicate with God. We walk with God. We talk with God. And it says that by doing this, the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, corruption is the product of lust. Lust is every desire in any category of life that draws your attention away from God and to whatever it is that drives you, <laughs> whatever it is that you have elevated in your mind as the end-all, be-all of your existence here on earth. And we either feed our flesh or we feed our spirit, but we're going to feed one of the two. And in the process of actively deciding which of those two we feed, we are going to produce in our life the byproduct of what we are feeding. So if you're feeding the flesh through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, then you are going to bring to you the fruit and byproduct of feeding the flesh with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And 
that is going to produce nothing but doubt, worry, fear, sickness, and disease in your life. However, if you feed your spirit with prayer, with speaking in tongues, with study of the word, with fellowship with like-minded believers, with fasting, then you are going to build your inner man up and position yourself for rewards here and rewards in eternity. That is going to produce faith, hope, trust, confidence in God. And it's going to keep you, it's going to preserve you. So God's divine power is the one that's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. See, we were called to glory and virtue by God. And we've been given great, exceedingly great and precious promises. See, these promises are in the word of God. And so we have to seek out what it is God's plan is for our life so that we are not destroyed by the one who would kill and destroy all of the good things that God has prepared for us. One of the biggest weapons that the adversary has that works against us is pride. And one of the biggest things that tears apart most relationships, most marriage covenants is pride. And that's why we're going to speak about this for a minute. In Proverbs 13.10, it says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. See, contention is the product of pride, but wisdom comes when you are well-advised. The best advice that you can ever gain is in the word of God because the Bible has all things that pertain unto life and godliness contained therein. In Proverbs 16, 17 and 19, it says, The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Pride goes before destruction and an haughty spirit before fall. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with a lowly then to divide the spoil with the proud. See, these are real principles that are designed to keep you in a place of favor, in a place of power, in a place of health and security. But if you decide that you want what you want, the way you want it, when you want it, how you want it, you want to play to God, play God. <laughs> As they say in the world, there's a cross to be the boss. And if you don't bow down and submit to the authority of God and acknowledge God in your life in all ways, then you're inviting into your life doubt, worry, fear, sickness, disease, destruction. And that is when we find that the mercy of God is great thing because God is able to keep us from ourselves. Sometimes we're our own biggest enemy, right? And when we talk about ta- tactics of the devil, pr- 
pride is one of the biggest tools that he used against us because it's us fighting us in many instances. I think of it like a three-year-old who sees the cup of orange juice on the countertop and his parent is in the kitchen. And instead of asking the parent, can you help me? Can you give me that cup of juice? The three-year-old decides they want to do it themselves, and they reach up to the cabinet and pull the juice down on themselves because they can just barely reach the juice or the, the, the cup, and they just pour it down all over themselves, where all they had to do was ask. That is how it is with us is when God tells us in his word, all we have to do is ask him. That is the difference between wearing the juice and drinking the juice. And only pride insists that we must do it ourselves. We have to get it on our own. And God knows that his way is best. So he tells us in his word exactly what to do. He says, be humble. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He says, pride goeth before destruction and in haughty spirit before fall. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Think about those who are enemies of marriage. Those who would tell you all costs, do not get married. If you are married, get out quickly. Think about those people and what they're really saying. What they're really saying is, hey, I do what I want. <laughs> when I want, how I want, to whom I want. Why don't you do what you want? And God tells us there is a better way. That I have given you favor by selecting a person just for you and understanding that people are very complex beings. It takes an entire lifetime to master another person. Any person who's been with a person for a significant period of time can tell you that there are levels and degrees of intimacy that can only be achieved by mastering, learning, adapting to another human being who is committed to be with you, who is content to be with you, who has decided to be with you. And there is a value in being chosen that I believe is so underrated, undervalued, underappreciated in the world today because it means something when somebody says, I choose you to be on my life team. I choose to be with you. But the devil is always trying to steal, kill, and destroy, to take away that which is most beneficial from you. And he'll use pride to do that. The lust of the eyes, the lust flesh, and the pride of life are telling you, oh, you see what's over there? Oh, that's got to be so much better than what you have. Or the, or the lust of the flesh, saying, oh, you could be so much more satisfied if you had something else, someone else. Or 
the part of life telling you that, oh, you could do so much better if you would just get rid of this thin weight slowing you down and keeping you from, from being all that you can be, right? Those are tricks of the devil, and they come from the place of pride. And God says it is better to be humble and lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And look at another passage of Scripture here that's going to really get you to where God wants you to be. 1 John 2, 16 17 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. See, if you do the will of God, you abide forever. God is with you, and you're with him. And that is really what God has ordained from the beginning of time, that he will dwell with man, and man will dwell with him. And everything that the devil does is in an attempt to stop that. So when you are either contemplating entering into a marriage relationship and you're courting a spouse in an engaged relationship or you are dating with the idea of asking someone to marry them, or let's say you're married, right? Understand relationship is something that is going to extend into eternity, not because you're married in heaven. God says in the Bible there is no marriage in heaven. However, those souls that extend from the product of that relationship, your children, they will hopefully be saved and enter into heaven and abide forever. The love that you invest in one another will grow and flourish and direct one another to God, and that will abide forever because love abides forever. Marriage and the nature of the marriage relationship is not to make you happier, but to make you holier. And when you understand that, that you are being challenged, you are being tested, you are being developed each and every day by having to honor the commitment that you made to God in order to make somebody else's life better, in order to practice sacrifice, practice loving, practice suffering daily, practice setting aside your will and doing God's will daily, practicing humility daily, allowing your flesh to die continually, and yet having your flesh satisfied, and that you allow God to satisfy your flesh by embracing the person that God has assigned to you and God has assigned you to. I want to read another verse here that's going to bless you. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. See, we need to learn to cast our cares on God. We need to know that God cares for us. We need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt us in due time. See, marriage 
is God's will in our life and honoring his plan for our life and coming in agreement with God and saying, your plan is good, your design is good, your word is good, and I am going to actively participate in your plan, in your design, in your will. Colossians 2, 20 says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiment of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinance? Touch not, taste not, handle not. Which all are to perish with using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will work in, in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things on the earth. See, when we learn to set our affection on the things of God and not on the things on the earth, then we're seeking to satisfy God. We are looking to God's word. We are prepared to serve. And we are not measuring our success, our happiness by our achieving in the world to satisfy the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We're looking to fulfill God's purpose in the earth. Look at what it says here in Hebrews 13, 4, the first part of the verse. It says, marriage is honorable in all, meaning it's valuable in every way, and the bed undefiled, meaning that sex is pure. This is a design by God to say that marriage is honorable. So if God says marriage is honorable and a man says marriage is not honorable or somebody else says marriage is not honorable, who are you going to be in agreement with? Well, I would highly exalt you to or highly encourage you, highly exhort you is the word I'm looking for, to agree with God, come into agreement with God. And God says marriage is honorable in every way. And sex is pure. God says that sex and a marriage relationship is his design. It is his purpose. So you have to make that something that is enjoyable to you because what happens with you and your spouse is between you and your spouse. And it is your business. Because God has said this is your domain to satisfy your purposes, your needs. Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good, it is not best that the man should be alone. I will make him an helper, a meat, to meet for him, help meet for him. 
was really as a helper for him. Neat and adaptable, conformable, custom-built, complementary for him. And that's exactly what God did. And when we understand that every other religion in the world celebrates and worships life as coming from the woman, when God says, I brought life from the man, I brought the woman from man, I brought Eve from Adam's rib. It's a powerful thing. Christianity is unique in this aspect in that God tells us, I brought woman from man. So do we worship woman as the source of life? We honor Mary as the mother of the Messiah. And yet we know that woman comes from man. Look at Genesis 2.23. It says, and Adam said, now this is more like it. This creature is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. See, God knew what he was doing. He took from man what man would require to complement him. Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. This is the commandment of God. This is the design of God. Do not let anyone ever make you feel guilty for cleaving to your wife, for leaving to leaving your father and mother, and uniting and being one flesh. This is the design of God. And if God did not design it that way, he wouldn't tell you what he just told you. <laughs> he wouldn't have bothered to put it at the beginning of the scripture in such a way that elevates it to a status that must be on. Proverbs 31, 11, and 12 says, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoils. This is referring to the virtuous one, and a man must be able to trust in his wife. And that trust makes it so that he's not, he doesn't need to look everywhere in order to find satisfaction because his satisfaction is right there with him. He knows where his woman is. He knows where his help me is. He knows where the bone of his bone and the flesh of his flesh is. It says she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life in Proverbs thirty-one twelve. That's a powerful thing. Uh, see, we're trusting in God's word with this. We are acknowledging God's design and saying we come in agreement with God when we seek out a wife who is a godly woman, when we seek out a spouse who is someone that can complement us in what we have been called to do for God. 
Proverbs 14.1 says, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish pluck it down with her hand. We have to understand that. We have the ability. A woman has the ability to help advance her household by being that maintains and secures the well-being of everybody in the household by being steady and constant, steady and constant, steady and constant. And just like the two pillars of the temple, Jachish and Boaz, that represented stability and security, a man represents stability and security in his household. So you are, and, and, and you know what? I think this is a greater mystery, actually. Part of that stability is the constant, is that helpmeet, that female presence who is the constant. She's always there. She's always dependable. She's always making sure that the household is tended to. But the security is the man who protects and defends and fortifies and plans and looks ahead and maneuvers as he needs to, as he is able to exert his strength and influence in the world to protect and direct and guide and teach. Look at what it says in 1 Peter 3.1. It says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husband, and he obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of a wife. This suggests that a man who is not saved can be won by the godly life of a saved wife. It's pretty powerful. What it says here in Philippians 4 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. God is telling us that our mindset, our focus, our direction should be on the things that he has designed, things he has ordained. And he has already told us that marriage is good in every aspect. So to believe anything less than what God has said about what God has designed is ungodly. When I think of how blessed a husband and wife are to have one another, it is Evident in the in their younger days, obvious that they are a blessing to one another. But it's really special in old age where you see these been married for 50, 60, 70, 80 years sometimes. And you can only imagine how special that relationship is, how unique that relationship is to have been with someone for that long and to know them more than anyone else would ever get to know them. That is a unique privilege. 
First Peter three seven says, "A husband and wife are heirs together in the grace of life." If you see yourself as an heir in the grace of life, bound to someone, bound with someone else in the grace of life, that is an awesome privilege. You have to, you have to understand that growing to that level of love is something that will remove fear. Because you're going to see life up close. You're going to have a front row seat at life. I remember when my first child was born, and the awe and respect that I had for my mother when when I saw my wife having her first child. But more than that, the awe and respect that I had for my wife when I saw my first child being born elevated my understanding of my 20-year-old mind and help me grow in appreciation for what God is doing because it is sobering to see life up close, to say to God, I trust you and I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I believe that your design is as good as you said it is in your word. It is the devil's job to scare the heck out of you and make you run from the things that are most valuable. As I said, regarding earthly things, it takes effort, sacrifice, planning in order to drill for gold, dig for silver, dig for or drill for drill for oil, <laughs> dig for gold, dig for silver, dig for diamonds. And yet, when it comes down to seeking the most intimate relationship, seeking that person that God has ordained for you to spend the majority of your life with, we won't seem to put that level of effort in that is requisite, required for us to fully appreciate God's plan. See, for women, you must prepare yourself to be found. You must be praying, fasting, studying God's word, putting on a meek and quiet and gentle spirit, practicing serving, practicing pleasing, practicing being knowledgeable and aware of things that are real concerning health and wealth and stewardship and planning. And men, you must seek diligently a woman who is wise, who is virtuous, who is godly, who is enamored with you. (laughs) A woman who trusts in your ability to rise to the challenge of providing and being that security, making a place for you all to become a covering to others and an example of the grace of God in this life so that you may be those heirs together in the grace of life, as we read about earlier. Look at what it says in Ephesians 5.25. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. See, he surrendered himself. 
He yielded himself up. He was willing to die for the church as we are to be willing to die for our lives. That is what love looks like. It is sacrificial in nature. That is not what you hear in the world, but once again, that is why divorce is the norm these days, because people are cold and selfish and short-sighted and unwise. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten Son, that whoever, whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, just like Christ gave himself for the church, God gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, for the world. And both result in life. We as husbands must love our wives and give ourselves for the protection and preservation of our wives. One of the groups that God is very concerned about are the widows because they have no male covering, orphans as well. And and God says that we are to look out for them. Look at what it says in Romans 8, 3. It says, He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall we not with him also freely give us, or how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Telling you that he didn't sacrifice his son for nothing so that you could live a miserable life, right? He's saying everything that you need. He delivered him up for us all. So how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? Why would God withhold any good thing from us having already sacrificed his only begotten son? Ephesians 5.27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blame, without blemish. See, God is preparing his church, preparing one another presenting ourselves, preparing ourselves to be presented to God. But really, as men, we are covering our wives. We are loving our wives. We are we are available to our wives. We are gracious to our wives. Look at what it says in Colossians 3.19. It says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter. Don't be sarcastic or cutting against them, right? Don't belittle them. Don't make them out to be a burden. They are heirs together in the grace of life with us. 12.15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. So it might sound wise that a man would say, it's my way or highway. You got to do what I say, not as I do and the world is mine. But we know all those things come from pride. But God has a better plan. We must submit to the plan of God and understand that God is in the process of using your marriage relationship to make you holier, to 
teach you humility. I've been married going on 30 years now in the University of Humility for the past 20 years. And I'll tell you that one of the most significant accomplishments that I have is the marriage with my wife and our six children together and our two two and a half grandchildren. And the legacy that we're leaving to our grandchildren and children, great-grandchildren will never see perhaps, is that our humility, our service to one another, to our family, is something that is real. Our commitment to God is something that is substantial, something that will be remembered by them when they find themselves in challenging times, being tempted to give up, tempted to quit, tempted to run away from the things that are hard, not understanding that the things that are hardest are the most valuable the most rewarding, the most substantial. So don't give up. Don't quit on the important things in life. First Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Gain by experience. That's experiential knowledge. Give them honor, value, dignity unto the wife. And as being heirs, joint heirs together of the grace of life, that your Prayers be not hindered. See, a husband, husband's prayers are hindered when we do not give honor to our wife. When we are bitter, when we are fighting and sarcastic, and we make our wives feel like burdens. God does not want our prayers to be hindered, but he wants us to walk as joint heirs together because we're walking in love. We don't have to be fearful because we know we're obeying God and acknowledging his design. I want to end with this verse where it says in Matthew 18, 19, 20, again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, there am I in the midst of them. See, this is what the devil hates, because God has promised that when you're in agreement with your spouse, that you can ask what you will, and it's yours. My wife and I, we were married for seven years. We were divorced for one year. We were remarried the past 21, going on 22 years, this coming February. And and what I found is that the difference between the failed marriage and the successful marriage is that we pray together at the beginning of every day now and receive God's grace and mercy each day, new, together. And that is the difference between success and failure, our failed marriage and our successful marriage. Same woman now, we a different marriage. And God has blessed what we've done in obedience to him. So I just want to encourage you to allow God to develop the best in you and prepare you for 
a marriage relationship or perfect you in a marriage relationship so that you can be made holier. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, Father, we thank you for this word that we've heard. We thank you for your purposes being fulfilled. We thank you for your will being fulfilled in the earth, in our families, in our marriages, in our relationship with you. I thank you for this right now in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And as always, from the Spirit Alive Network and Hello Tuesdays with your host, Lester Carver, be ye transformed. She saw the best in me when everyone else around could only see the worst in me. Can I tell you one more time, one more time? I said he saw the best in me when everyone else around could only see the worst in me. I wish I had a witness tonight. All I need is one. Hey, he saw the best in me when everyone else around me. Yeah. Anybody have that testimony when Bob walked you off, said you would never make it? What did he teach? He saw the death in me. When everyone else around me, yeah. oh. everyone else around me, can I tell y'all one more thing? I just need to tell you one more thing. Listen to this. See, he's mine. And I am his. It doesn't matter what I feel. He only sees me for who I am. Does anybody know that tonight? Oh, he is mine. And I am his. Said it doesn't matter what I did. See, he only sees me. Can't get no help of it here. 
because there are some folk in here that people have wrote you off. Said you would never amount to anything. Said that you would never end up being anywhere. But Myron, tell them one more time. What did he see? He saw the When mama said you would never be nothing. When aunties and uncles said that you'll never amount to anything. When daddy didn't come home anymore. He didn't look at you and say that you are going to make it. God looked at you and what did he see? What did he see? What did he see? I said, what? 